You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host, Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. Y'all know what time it is. It's Thursday. Thursday means another episode, and man, I hope you can tell by my voice, I am excited. And if you're new to the show, the Minority Trailblazer Podcast is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to minorities who are blazing a trail in a variety of industries, such as education, business, comedy, entrepreneurship, etc. And our goal is to share our stories the stories of inspiring minorities in hopes to inspire, educate, empower, and encourage our future and current generational leaders. Future guest today, whoa! She's about to add a lot of value, give a lot of actionable tips, and for all those out there in, that has or had dreams of starting a nonprofit or has a son, a family member, you yourself, or a friend that's interested and to getting in the nonprofit sector or interning for the White House or anything around the internship, work experience area in the political arena, the health arena, this is the show for you. And before I, before I get into the information and read the crazy bio of our guest, I just want to say I am humbled and thankful for the fact that you're listening to the show, for the fact that, I mean, to date, we have been downloaded and subscribed over 4,000 times. I mean, I could never even imagine this type of feedback when I first started almost two months ago. I mean, we've been downloaded in places like Taiwan, the province of China, Chile, Hungary, Germany, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. That's crazy, right? God is working. That's crazy. So, um, And I just also want to give a special shout out to Sinej Yelsu. Brittany Jones, Latracia Jones, Elvira Valvez, and so many more for leaving a review. That really means a lot um, because that helps the podcast so much as far as the rankings and searching. So definitely, if you've been listening and you enjoy the podcast, please pause it and leave a review. It only takes two minutes. So let me get into, you know, I got to do my shameless plug at the beginning of the episode. Let me get into our featured guest today, all right? She is a proud she. Gosh, we've been having a lot of strong black females on this podcast. Uh, she's a proud graduate of UNC Chapel Hill. Shout out to the Tar Hills. You already know. And she's currently a first year MPH student in the Gilling School of Global Public Health, studying in health behavior. She's a half Barnhill Merit Scholar, a.k.a. full scholarship. No, had to pay nothing, none in her pocket, right? Check this out. She's interned for the White House. She worked an entire semester in the Office of Presidential Personnel. And before she even began there, like after she graduated from UNC, she worked in Brooklyn's Health Corps system, which is a national nonprofit started by Dr. Oz, the guy on Oprah, aimed at reducing childhood obesity. She also has interned under Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver through the Congressional Black Caucus. And I mean, like, this, this girl is only 24. She is freaking amazing. She, and when she left D.C., and this is the crest of the show. When she left D.C., she continued her public service efforts and to combine her love for public health. And during the summer of 2011, she has established Healthy Girls Save the World, which is a 5013C nonprofit that provides a space for girls in North Carolina to foster the development of healthy habits related to proper nutrition, 
physical activity, and overall healthy lifestyles, which has received tens of thousands of dollars of grant award money to date. I mean, it is a nationally award-winning nonprofit, receiving awards from like Clinton's Global Initiative University, the Pearson Foundation, the Maya Angelou Center for Women's Health and Wellness, and the Kenan Biddle Partnership, as well as companies like Liberty Mutual. I mean, it has been phenomenal the work she has done in the UNC community for her community at large in the award and the claim she has received. And um, and this is not it. She is in graduate school and she's right now after graduate school. She's studying. We are in the MLT MBA prep program. Shout out to MLT. She's going on to receive her MBA or joint PhD with aspirations of becoming a C-level executive within a healthcare organization. I mean... Without further ado, I know y'all tired of me talking. Let's get to the show. I would like to introduce, I have the honor to introduce Camille McGirt to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me here. No problem. No problem. Now, before we dig into to, 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 to the show and, and dig into your journey and what you're doing now, um, I want to explain the show because we might have some little listeners on. Um, the show is broken up into three phases, right? The first phase, we're going to talk about your story. We're going to get a little bit personal and kind of paint the picture. The second phase, we're going to actually give more actionable advice about how do you kind of enter fields and stuff that our, our audience can do on a daily basis to become more successful and better. And then the third phase is we're going to talk future because I'm a big, big believer of planning for the future and being intentional. So we're going to talk about the future and then we're going to jump into our uh, culture change round, man. So uh, let's jump right in. Explain. And, and this is for you, Camille. Can you give a, can you give our audience a little bit of your background and, and what do you do? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I actually started off before I uh, went to Carolina. I started off at Hampton University mm-hmm. where I played basketball. Uh, if you ever meet me, you'll notice that I'm about six feet and four inches tall. Uh, and, so while, <laughs> <laughs> and so while I was at Hampton, I got hurt uh, while I was playing ball. I tore my ACL and I had to have uh, surgery on my shoulder. So I had two uh, big injuries within the same year. Uh, And so I kind of had to reevaluate my life's plan and my goals. And my coach actually sat me down uh, during our exit meeting uh, that May. And he said, you know, Camille, we're moving in a different direction. We're really not getting a a big return on our investment. So we're going to move in a different direction and we're not going to renew your scholarship for the upcoming season. And so that was a big blow for me uh, because I was counting on that scholarship to keep me in school. Uh, But fortunately, while I was at Hampton, uh, I kept a a pretty strong GPA and I was pretty involved on campus with the student newspaper, the Leadership Institute. Uh, I did a lot of community service uh, through the athletic department and I was able to land an internship at the White House uh, in the Office of Presidential Personnel. And while I was there, I got a chance to volunteer with the Let's Move campaign. Uh, and I just became enamored with the First Lady's uh, passion to address the childhood obesity epidemic. And then that next semester, uh, I was on the Hill with Congressman Emanuel Cleaver and the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation uh, interning on the Hill. Uh, and so when I came home that summer, uh, I really wanted to make that Let's Move uh, message tangible for girls on a local level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I established Healthy Girls Save the World which is a nonprofit that promotes healthy minds, healthy bodies, and healthy relationships for girls in North Carolina. And we have events where girls get to come to college campuses and they get to meet college athletes. They get to engage in physical activity. They get to uh, cook and learn how to uh, learn about nutrition and they get to eat healthy food. Um, They get to learn about respectful and positive relationships. Uh, So it's a really, really fun program uh, that I was able to develop 
through uh, my time at the White House and even while I was on the Hill because I, I created my community action plan uh, through my time with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that summer I was able to come home and start the program and now we are a nonprofit and we exist formally at UNC Chapel Hill and we're trying to expand to other colleges across the state. Wow, wow, that's huge. And you didn't even touch on your story about what you do currently with the Dr. Oz <laughs> and that movement. So we're going to take a little deep dive into that, man. It's just, I, I can't excite it. You got me excited. I'm sitting here like a, like a, like somebody else is hosting the show right now. <laughs> so before we kick things off, I want to start the ball off with a quote. Because anybody that knows me knows that I'm like the biggest quote fanatic in the world. I wake up every morning at 4.30 a.m. and send people quotes and get it, get the ball rolling. So I want to take the same approach with this show. So Camille, can you give me a quote that, that, that you love that really excites you and then explain how it correlates with your life right now? Yeah. Um, let's see. I really like a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, that he says in his uh, What's Your Life's Blueprint speech. Uh, And it says, uh, and when you discover what you will be in your life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. Don't just set out to do a good job. Again, don't set out just to do a good job. If it falls your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, sweep streets like Beethoven composed music, sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry, sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. For it isn't by side that you win or fail. Be the best of whatever you are. Um, I really like that quote by Dr. Martin Luther King, and I really make sure that I apply it to my life. Uh, I really and truly believe at being the best of whatever you are. Um, I don't necessarily believe in doing a, a ton of things uh, at the same time. I think that if you can really dig into one thing and do it really, really well, um, and, that, and you make that your life's purpose, um, then you will be amazing at it and you will be able to impact a lot of people. Um, and so I really make sure that I apply that to my life. I like to make sure that I set myself apart from my peers and other people who are doing the same things around me so that I can make sure that I am the best at my job at all times. Mm. One, that was a, a powerful quote. And two, um, you hit on a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good takeaways right there. And, um, I'm gonna just let the audience a little meditate on that. Right. <laughs> I just got to, <laughs> so, Question. I know you said it in, in, in your quote. You said you want to focus on one thing and stand out on that. So yeah. what is your one thing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> right now, my one thing is healthy girls save the world. Um, being in a leadership position sometimes can be uh, a little arduous, uh, mostly because you have to learn to relinquish power. Um When I first started Healthy Girls, uh, it was just me doing everything, calling parents, sending out emails, contacting the athletic department, reserving rooms, making sure that we had enough girls for our events, sending out donation letters to store managers, like literally like hustling, trying to make sure that this concept that I had worked and came to fruition. Uh, And so once I was able to essentially do a good job and be the best at it, um, I was able to attract more people to want to be led by me. Mm -hmm. Um, And once I did that, um, I learned that I could not do it 
all on my own all the time um, because it was that wasn't sustainable. And so uh, I had to learn to lead and learn to give up some of my power and not have as much autonomy all the time. Uh, so right now we're do we have a lot of a lot of different projects going on uh, within Healthy Girls, which again is the one thing that I'm really putting a lot of my time and focus into right now. Um, even as I work a full time job, I. But again, just leading that and trying to make sure that uh, we're able to kind of catapult ourselves amongst the other nonprofits around right now. We're still pretty young. Um, and actually, we're, we're starting a new program model. Uh, so we're really excited to kind of launch that and to kind of have a new culture within our, within our organization. So, so that's the one thing that I'm, that I'm trying to be the best at right now. That's that's huge. That's that's definitely huge. I think you hit on a one key takeaway that the whole audience can uh, take away from is before you became a leader, before you started leading, directing people and, and really gathering a movement, you were on the ground floor by yourself doing <laughs> anything and everything to survive. Yeah. And it's crazy. And before I kind of dig deep into how you started a nonprofit in that process, I want to take five steps back because we might have some high schoolers or some college students on the line on the phone or some young adults that um, they, they're, they're looking at you, what you've accomplished working with the White House, starting your own nonprofit, and you're only 23, right? Yeah, 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 23. So where did this come from? Like as a, as a kid or growing up, how did you to, to get the skill set or the tools that's required to, to really be a leader and, and to really make these type of leaps at such a young age? Like where do I start? <laughs> yeah, Um. <sighs> I'd say um, make sure, number one, you surround yourself uh, with other people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I, I definitely played basketball. Um, and I had some good teammates and I had some not-so-great teammates. Uh, but um, I think that I was really able to, while I was in my school, I took some of the hardest classes offered. I, I went to Hillside High School in Durham. I took some of the hardest classes offered um, at that school, and I was able to really surround myself uh, with other students who were in the International Baccalaureate program who also had big goals and big dreams and weren't just at school just to be there. Um, They knew that they wanted to take their education uh, outside of high school, go to college, um, possibly get a professional degree, and really, really help to change the world. Um, And so I was able to really just kind of grasp that, that concept, that aura, uh, while I was in high school. And it re- it's really about setting yourself apart um, from people who really just aren't doing anything with their lives um, and people who, people who are around that'll bring you down. Um, and it's also about um, surrounding yourself with mentors uh, and people um, who will help to uplift you um, and being involved in a lot of different programs while in your high school. Um, while I was in high school, I did this this crazy uh, science program called Project Seeds, where I was actually I was actually in UNC School of Public Health when I was in high school. Wow. Um, I, I did a project on uh, I synthesized these uh, PAHs uh, to some quinones and catechols in uh, the environmental sciences department in the School of Public Health. Um, and while I was there, it was a, it was a very very rigorous science program um, that made me learn a lot about uh, the the molecules I was working on. And then also I had to do a lot of public speaking at a lot of different science fairs across the state. And so that helped me uh, to really uh, garner really strong public speaking skills and also dig into something, uh, dig into one thing um, and do it really well. And so I was able to do that. And that brought me a lot of awards and recognition. um, And and that helped to set me apart from a lot of my peers. Even though I didn't go into science, um, that program really helped to start me on my way uh, to kind of, making it to where I am now. That's huge. And I guess the big, the top three takeaways, one, 
surround yourself with positive people by by any means. So if somebody wasn't adding value to your life, then they had to be out of it. And I think the second key you you mentioned is mentorship and finding them. And 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 I want to kind of dive into that for one quick one quick second. How do you go about finding mentors? Because it's not like there's a site that says, "Hey, sign me up to be a mentor. I can change your life." How, <laughs> as, as a young age, and how are you able to find mentors? That's actually a really good idea to, to make a website like uh, <laughs> mentorship.com and find a mentor in your area. That's actually a really good idea. Um, but um, I'd say with mentors, I mean, it was really just about finding positive adults or role models in um, in the fields or like in the units that I was like just kind of in all the time. So I played basketball and there was a coach uh, at Hillside, um, one of the assistant coaches who kind of took me under her wing uh, and she helped me out a lot um, when it came to school, when it came to basketball. She was someone that I could really confide in. Um, when I, I, I grew up in church um, and there were a lot of people at church who helped me, who prayed for me um, and who were there for me when I needed them. Um, and so I think that it really just it's really just about finding people uh, who you can depend on and who are role models in the circles that you're in. So if you play soccer uh, or, if you're, or if you're a dancer or uh, if you're doing something in science or if you're in a program uh, at church, you know, finding that one person uh, who is willing to help you uh, to be there for you and to be a strong role model in your life. Yeah, you hit on the head. And, and honestly, with the proliferation of social media nowadays and, and oh, yeah. LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. It's, it's, there's never been a moment in history, if you're a young person, that you can't find somebody that you look up to and reach them. Like, I mean, you can send, you can create a LinkedIn profile and send a message. It has to be a couple sentences to somebody you look up to. Like, yeah. for instance, me, um, I look up to Seth Godin. And Seth Godin, for anybody that doesn't know who he is, he is like the Michael Jordan of marketing. He's a white guy with a bald head. Like he is the 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 guru of blogging and marketing. So I just sent him an email one day and said, Hey, my name is Greg Hill. Um I think one day I'm gonna be the black Seth Godin and can we can we talk? And the crazy thing is, a couple hours later, he emailed me back. This is a guy that is the Michael Jordan of marketing, and he emailed me right back. And it's crazy how small the world is now. So there's no excuses out there, whatever you're trying to do. If you're trying to be a barber or you're trying to be a hair um, salon person, if you're trying to make cakes, if you're trying to throw parties, any industry, there are moguls and, and, and celebrities or people out there on these networks that you're on all day that you can yeah. reach out to. So I'm glad we definitely touched on that. So. Yeah. Let's get into um, starting a nonprofit because I mean, you. I, I, I want to talk about a couple of things, but I know a lot of friends, a lot of young adults that are in corporate America, they have these passions and they want to start a nonprofit, but they don't know where to start. So, what's what tips can you kind of give somebody that is on the fence about? They have idea, but they're kind of they they don't know where to start and how to get it they, to bring it to fruition. Yeah, well, I'd say um, I, I'll give you three tips. The first one is to develop your idea. Um, and that's, that's actually something that I wish I would have done with Healthy Girls a little bit more when I first started. Uh, when I first started, I just wanted to have a cool program with college athletes where girls were running around and losing weight and getting excited <laughs> about their fruits and vegetables. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be so amazing. Because while I was at the White House, I, um, I volunteered during uh, the Easter egg roll. And um, I was actually like on the basketball court on the south lawn of the White House. 
uh, and like Nick Young was there, um, Elena Beard, Monique Curry, some of the like my basketball idols like growing up were there. And I was like, whoa. And the kids were so excited to be around these professional athletes. Like there were girls in like little skirts, like trying to throw basketballs and dribbling through cones. And I was like, whoa, like this is so awesome. Like kids get really excited to be around athletes. And so like that was the wow factor of that part of the Let's Move. And so I was like, well, you know, I can I can take this and I can bring it home and make girls excited about sports and physical activity and health. Um, and so I just thought that it was going to just be that simple, that easy, you know, bring in some, some athletes from Carolina and Duke and they'll talk to them and they'll get excited. Um, but it was not that easy. Once I, once I got into the school of public health at UNC and learned a lot more about health behavior and health education, I learned about like the socio-ecological framework and how there are a lot of different, uh, pieces um, that that are responsible for a person's health behavior um, on an individual level, um, on a level, on a family and like familial level, on a community level, and even on a policy level. Like you know what's offered in your grocery stores. Um, and so you know, I was just like, man, like there's so much that there was so much research that I could have done to make this program stronger. And right now, um, I'm working with a couple of public health students. Um, across the country, actually, to really develop uh, our problem statement and what we're trying to solve and how the components of our program are helping to solve those problems. Um, and so I really wish that I would have developed my idea a lot more initially, done a lot more back research. Um, the second thing I would say is to have a strong team. Um, again, going to what I was saying earlier, when I first started, like I was literally running around like a crazy person, um, trying to make sure that this idea uh, was able to live and to breathe. Um, and it was very, very, very hard. Uh, but one thing that I can say is that if you work hard, um, people will notice uh, and people will be attracted to it. And so I was able to attract a very, very strong team of young ladies who are currently students at UNC who are helping me uh, develop this program. Um, some of them are now on our board, and even some professors at Carolina as well are sitting on our board, um, and they are doing some tremendous things for our program. Actually, one girl, um, she's a, currently our development director. She was able to link us with Wells Fargo for our summer experience that we had this past year, uh, and they donated a ton of money for our girls to go to Pinehurst to the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. Open Women's Golf Tournament where they got a chance to meet Cheyenne Woods, who is uh, Tiger Woods' niece. Wow. Um, so. You know, having a strong team of people, um, they can help you to develop your idea, to reach out to partnering organizations, to reach out to sponsors, um, and to do things that, you know, that you might not even thought of. Um, and again, relinquishing power is hard, but, um, but, it's, but I think that it's worth it in the end um, if you really want to grow uh, your idea or your program. Um, and then I'd say the last thing um, is to really be a resource hound, um, making sure that, you know, you find every single thing that you can to grow your program, um, you know, doing Google searches, uh, looking through books, talking to people, trying to find people, organizations, grants, money, resources, whatever, trying to find things that can help your program. Um, and, you know, we were able to link up with the Clinton Global Initiative uh, Foundation. They were like, we actually just got a check in the mail today. Um, that we uh, put in our bank account from them um, and like a, t a ton of other organizations um, that have helped us. But I, I literally just like went through the Internet scouring like different awards that I could apply for for public service, um, different grants that didn't that didn't necessarily make you have like a tax ID number because uh, at the time we didn't have one. Um, to garner funds um, and making sure that we were able to get as many resources through the 
to the university um, as we could. And we've done thousands, not thousands, we've done like a ton of pitch competitions and business case competitions, grant applications, grant applications and things like that, that we haven't gotten. Um, but at the same time, there are a lot that we have gotten because me and my team have been resource hounds. We have literally gone through, you know, almost every single that almost every single thing that we can to make sure that we're able to garner uh, as much uh, stuff that we can to make sure that our program uh, grows and flourishes. So. Wow. Wow. That was, I mean, you had so many actionable takeaways as far as finding resources, as far as growing a team. And I think the biggest thing that you hit on was it all started with the culture you set for yourself, the standards you set for yourself and the excellence that you expected from yourself because that manifested in the origin of, of, of your nonprofit as well as people just saying like, yo, I don't know what's, what Camille is doing, but I want to be a part of it. And you didn't even have to reach out to those people. They just said, yo, I like what you're doing. Um, you broadcasted it and they wanted to join the battle. And I think a lot of people miss out because A, I really think they're not transparent a lot with a lot of people's ideas. Like a lot of times people are on the fence about these nonprofits. You look on their Instagram, you look on their Facebook, you look on their social media. You would not think in a thousand years they wanted to start a nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they could be amazing, cool people, but if you don't know what their intent is or what they're trying to do, then you would never know. So nobody can help you if you don't vocalize it. Like yeah. it just it's just crazy. And um I wanna I wanna transition into the second part of this interview, but I wanna bring it full circle for our audience that everybody's listening here. This is a, a a female woman that her freshman year of college, 6'5", played at Hampton University. Her scholarship was cut. But not only did she say, okay, it is what it is, maintain a grade point average, go in, find an internship in, 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 for the White House, and then start a whole nonprofit and continue making strides. And I think everybody out there that's listening can seek some kind of motivation or inspiration from that because – no matter where you at or what life throws at you, you still have to make the most of each and every opportunity. I think Camille, you're a testament to that. Thank you. Um, so let's let's get to a more actionable, and I think you've already gave so much actionable advice for everybody got to get into. But say if I, I'm a, I'm a kid and I, I go to North Carolina A&T or I go to HBCU and I want to intern for the White House, <laughs> where do I start? Where do I start finding these kind of internships? All right. Um, I would say um, if you're interested in policy, um, definitely, look, definitely look into the White House internship. Um, it's a great opportunity to be around people who love politics um, and government. I would also say uh, look into the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. They have a host of internships that run all throughout the year and fellowships. Uh, for students. Uh, if you are Hispanic or Latino, look into the uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus. Uh, they also have internships for students. Um, also, uh, George Washington University has a really cool uh, program called the Semester in Washington Politics Program, uh, which is for students in college. And if you do the Congressional Black Caucus uh, Foundation internship in the spring, uh, you can also be a part of the semester semester in Washington politics program at George Washington University, um, and everything's paid for through the CBCF, which is awesome. It's like ten thousand dollars worth of tuition that the CBCF pays for. Um, also, uh, if you are uh, a woman, there's another uh, internship program that I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, it's not coming to to my head, um, but I, Greg, I can email it to you uh, after this is over. Okay. Um, but they have. 
a really cool internship program uh, for women interested in politics. Um, but I'd say, you know, if you're interested in policy, government, really look to uh, local officials uh, in, in your area, in your state. Um, they also have a ton of internships uh, and summer opportunities or even opportunities during the school year to intern uh, and to be a part of their offices and learn more about legislation uh, they're working on uh, to become passed uh, in their uh, local areas. Um, and also, there's actually a really, really cool uh, website called Volunteen. It's either .org or .com. And they have a great Twitter feed. Um, it's just at Volunteen, V-O-U-L-N-T-E-E-N. Uh, the girl that runs it, actually, um, we got a scholarship together called the Pearson Prize a couple of years ago. And she's actually listed on uh, Forbes 30 under 30. Her name's Simone Bernstein. Wow. Uh, but this Twitter feed that they have is impeccable. Like, I actually, I went to Brazil uh, a couple weeks ago, and I found out about that program through this Twitter feed. Um, and so they literally have almost every single program, every single scholarship, every single internship that you can find if you're between the ages of, like, 12 and 30 uh, with interest in anything, science, government, music, nonprofits, whatever. Um, get on this Twitter feed, uh, and, and you can find all types of, programs and contests and stuff. And so I literally, like, I go through it about every other day um, to find stuff that healthy girls can apply for, to find stuff that I can apply for uh, as a public servant. Um, that, and it's very, very helpful. So I would What's, definitely say... What is, the, what is the Twitter for that? I need to look called, at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Volunteen, V-O-L-U-N-T-E-E-N. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I can confirm it for you um, in a second. I can just look it up on my on my Twitter. Um but yeah, it's really, 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 really helpful. Um, and actually, Simone's brother uh, goes to UNC Chapel Hill. Um, no, is that okay? It's Volunteer Nation. V O L U N T E E N N A T I O N. Volunteer Nation. Gotcha. Um, and there are just a ton of. If you, if you really dig through it, you will see a ton of conferences you can go to across the world. All types of programs all types of scholarships, contests, a ton of stuff. Um, and so I use that a lot uh, to find things for myself and for healthy girls. That's huge. That's huge, man. God, man, you're just dropping bombs like, <laughs> on, on, on this thing. I mean, I can't wait to to to, to release this because, like I said, I'm going to a lot of high schools and touring, talking to high school students, middle schoolers, and college students. So I can't wait to them to kind of peep in on some of these programs because this is stuff that nobody's talking about in regular school. And yeah. I'm, I'm excited to kind of issue in some of this stuff. Question. Yeah. How do you balance your time? Because being that, like you said, um, I want you to, to briefly talk on what you do as a, a for for Dr. Oz and the, the other foundation as a teacher and operate a thriving, growing nonprofit. How do you balance your time? And it's hard. Like it's it's so hard. Um, but I think I mean it's honestly about sacrifices. Um, I'm a futurist. Uh, I was actually uh, not to put myself up, but uh, the Root uh, blog, like uh, they lists uh, futurists every year um and so they actually listed me one um in 2000 listed me as one in 2013 um and i really like i think about the future constantly like i'm always thinking about my next move you know what i want to do what grad schools i'm going to apply to like all all kinds of stuff um and so you know it's always like i'm always thinking about the future um and so i think that you know since i think that way it's easy for me to sacrifice certain social events um, or, you know, the certain things that I know aren't going to be a good use of my time. I do not like wasting time. Like I cannot stand wasting time. Um, if there's something that I know will not be a, a great use of 
you know, one hour, two hours, 30 minutes, whatever, then I probably won't be there or doing it. Um, so I know that it's going to be a good use of my time and I make sure that it's done. Um, and again, it's just about sacrifices and knowing, uh, what I want to do and, you know, just really making sure that stuff gets done. So that's huge. And I, I want to say in accord, like I, I, I cannot leave you, uh, every day I have to be doing something, even if I'm taking a nap, even if I am not doing anything, I plan to not do anything. I don't just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't, there's no white space in my day because right. I understand right. by reading and by just observing the people that accomplish extraordinary things that everything they do in their life is intentional. So, right. and I, I'm definitely, we're on the same tip. So I want to I want to kind of get into the where are you going the futuristic part because you said you're a futuristic and you were voted on this blog to meet Miss Miss Future I'm gonna start calling you Miss Future right so <laughs> what new and this is the transition to number three uh, America and audiences this is the transition to our, our our getting close to the final round what new projects or events are on the horizon that you could share with our audience <sighs> all right um. I don't want to share too, too much, uh, but we have a couple of things coming up with Healthy Girls um, that we're about to launch. Um, the first is our new program. Um, so in the past, we used to kind of have like a free for all for events. Um, any parent could like sign up on our Google forms and anybody could come. Uh, but we noticed that there was a lack of retention of girls and also a lack of retention of knowledge um, over time. And we found that out through our data. Um, and so we were like, we need to create like actual concrete chapters of girls coming to our events over time. So we've decided that we're going to have two events per semester ran by, ran by our college students and also um, followed up with the summer camp at the end of the school year. Um, but one thing that we are working on right now um, to increase contact hours with girls is an app. Um, for our program. I don't want to get into too much detail um, right now because we probably won't launch it for possibly a couple, six months to a year. But um, when we were talking with our board, they were saying like, you know, it's really hard for you to have tangible impact by having two events per year. Um, and that's very, very true. Uh, and so we want to make sure that our girls are actually changing their health behaviors and that our program is actually impacting their lives. And so we think that if we're able to uh, stay in contact with them through technology um, more often, uh, then we will be able to actually have some very powerful numbers uh, when it comes to our data and that it will really help to change our girls' lives. Um, so those are some things that we're working on right now. We're also working on, uh, and also uh, we are, just for next year, we want to make sure that we have um, a really strong summer experience um, that's hopefully longer than a week. Um, so we're working on that as well. We're trying to gain some more sponsors um, and uh, we're trying to get more support from the university. So I actually have a meeting with the chancellor uh, on Thursday of this week. Um, and hopefully we can try to garner more support uh, from Carolina um, overall. So those are some things that we're kind of working on right now. We're going to take a little turn and we're going to get a little deep and because um, we're about to wrap up. What type of legacy do you want to leave behind? I'm sorry I had to go from zero to 100 that fast, but what type of legacy does Camille want to leave behind? Wow, um, that's a great question. Um, <sighs> I want people to know um, that I was a public servant uh, and I dedicated my life uh, to helping other people and specifically girls. Um, I have a very strong interest uh, in corporate philanthropy and that's what I kind of want to do in the long run. Um, in the long run, uh, I would like to work for a corporation that is uh, helping to change the world. I, I want to help change the world and I want to help people. And I really want to do that specifically through Healthy Girls Save the World. If, if I could run this program full time, 
my goodness, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, and so I really want this program to grow and I want it to be what I leave on this earth, uh, when I'm gone. And I want to, I want girls from Indonesia and China and Australia and the U S and Brazil to say, I am part of healthy girls save the world. And it's an awesome organization that's helped me, uh, in some type of way, whether it's going to college or whether it's, uh, helping them to have a healthier perception of their body or whether it's to help them make uh, choices when it comes to relationships. Um, you know, I want them to say that this program has helped them in some way. Uh, and so that's why I'm working so hard because this is my, I feel like this is my life's work and my life's calling. So, Man, that's powerful. That That is very powerful. And I think everybody could take away from that. Whatever, especially for all you guys and, and, and girls that want to be entrepreneurs, want to start nonprofits, really want to do the cutting edge, cutting edge, you have to realize your why behind it. And I think she hit on the head because if you don't have a why that you're willing to die for, that you are going to willing to put invest everything into, then don't then don't don't waste your time trying to start this venture. Because if you're just about the money or you're just about the the, the 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 time or something like that. For the most part, if you really want to make a dent in society and culture, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it, man. And I definitely, I, it's all about the why behind it because it's gonna, it's gonna keep you going through those, 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 those requests for grants to say no, <laughs> or the people that say, "Hey, um, it sounds like a good program, but this year we're not gonna fund it." Or right. the university be like, "Well, I, I, we would love to help Camille, but we have something else happening." Like <laughs> that's what keeps you kind of probably going and pushing it. Right. I, I really want to. The, the the nation of, of minority entrepreneurs and trailblazers that are listening to this to really understand that. So that leads us to the culture change round, and this round is going to be rapid answer. And I just wanted you to kind of be just just give us what your your feelings and opinions. It's going to be five questions, right? Okay. So let's kick it off like this: What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Hmm. Um. The best piece of advice that I've ever received, um, this lady told me when I was younger, she said, Camille, you're tall for a reason. Um, and with me, I've always had like a love-hate relationship with basketball. And I feel like basketball has kind of shaped my life um, because it helped to give me confidence when I was younger. Uh, but when I got older, uh, I had to find a new identity. And I always thought that I was tall because I was supposed to be some great basketball player. I was supposed to, you know, go to play in Europe or in the WNBA one day and to just be this amazing athlete. Um, but once I got hurt and got hurt again, I was just like, okay, this is too much wear and tear on my body. You know, God, why am I so tall? Like, why, like, why do you have me? Why do you make me six, four, six, five? Like, why am I, why am I this way? Um, and being tall has helped me probably the most in my life. Um, again, you're tall for a reason. Uh, when it comes to uh, asking people for grants and having meetings with people uh, and going to these pitch competitions, being a six foot four, six five woman is like probably one of the best things that's ever <laughs> happened to me because I can walk into a room and people are like, dang, who is that girl? Like I just, I can just command attention without saying a word. Um, and so I really think that that has helped me out a lot. Uh, we, when we were uh, pitching in the Carolina Challenge a couple years ago, we won second place and won ten thousand dollars for healthy girls. Um, and there were like we were going against a lot of different teams, and I was getting a little, I was discouraged sometimes because I was like, you know, these 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 kids have these great ideas for these great projects, but I was able to deliver what I had to say in a very powerful way, um, and people were people would just like stop and listen to me. 
Uh, and I think that a part of that had to do with my stature uh, and how I carry myself and, and the fact that I am tall. Uh, and I do believe that God has made me tall for a reason to help lead people uh, and to be able to uh, just kind of state my opinion uh, in a very powerful way uh, in a room of people. Yeah, that's that's huge, man. Because I, I ain't gonna lie, if you see a six five black woman come, they they, they can they can talk and they knows what she's talking. You have to listen. You're six <laughs> five, like you're going to listen. You like if you walk into a room, you're asking, "Hey, can I speak to one of them?" You're not just gonna be like, "Okay, uh, come another day." You're gonna be like, "I I gotta really you you gotta command that. You command that. That's huge, man. It's it's, it's so crazy." Um, what is one of the per what is one of your personal habits that can be attributed to your success? Ah, that's actually a question. Um, I say this is probably really cliche, um, but I have, I have a little black book um, that I carry with me everywhere. I, I actually had a dentist appointment today, and it was like in my lap the entire time. But I write down uh, everything that I have to do, um, a lot of my thoughts, um, meetings, and whatever I have going on that day, that week, it's all in this book. Um, and I'm able to just open it, flip through it and figure out what I have to do. In addition to having my calendar, um, on my email. Uh, and you know, I think that sometimes people think that, Oh, you know, she's really anal or, you know, she has like all the stuff that she quote unquote has to do all the time. Um, but having this book and having my things, um, kind of organized in my calendar really, really helps me to, um, have my day and to plan out what I need to do. That's huge. And what happens if you lose that book, though? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that would that would be that would be a problem. But I like I literally guard this book with my life and I have it in my purse. I, I've never lost any of my books um, since high school. I've, I've had like a little planner. And then when I went to college, I had it and I and I keep I keep my book. It's actually right here in front of me. Um, so. I'll never lose it. Please, please know that I will never lose it. And if I did, if I did, I would be extremely distraught and I would have to kind of go, go to my digital calendar for a while and then I'll just have to buy a new one. So that's huge. And I'll, I'll remember that because in a couple of years when um, I got some crazy, crazy things I might be doing over the next couple of years, we have like some live events and you come and I want to make sure you bring your back book because we definitely want to bring you back. <laughs> oh, I'll have it. Trust me. I will have it. I have it at all times, literally all times. Um, what is your favorite book and why? Outside of the Bible, if that's your favorite book. My favorite book. I would have to say, I'd probably say uh, The Invisible Man uh, by Ralph Ellison. Um, it, it talks a lot about identity uh, and knowing yourself uh, and who you are uh, in a world full of people who are trying to constantly identify you, uh, whether it's a black man or a worker or uh just a person or an inhumane person. Um, and so I really, really like that book. Uh, and I think it's definitely one of my favorites easily. Yeah. That's it. And, and, and for all you listeners that the book link and where you can purchase it will be in the show notes. I got to read that book. Honestly, I'm an avid reader and I have not read it. It's been one on my recommended book list. And I definitely want to read that. What inspires you and keeps you motivated? Uh, I'd say, um, people, what inspires me, um, are people who are doing the same things that I'm doing, um, who are successful at it. Um, so I 
the Clinton Global Initiative, um, they have this really cool thing called the C- CGI University. And while I was there a couple of years ago, I got a chance to meet a lot of other students in college who were starting their own nonprofits. Um, this is also a shout out to CGIU. Um, if you are in uh, college uh, anywhere in the United States, um, you can go to the Clinton Global Initiative University Conference. They'll fly you out. Um, it's like a two, three day conference. This year it'll be in Miami. Um, and it's a really great way for you to meet other social entrepreneurs. Um, they don't fly everybody out. You have to apply for, uh, for travel and lodging assistance. But if you pl- apply on time, uh, they will do that. And you have to be enrolled uh, in an institution of higher learning in order to go. So, so I won't be able to go again until I'm in grad school. Um, but while I was there, I got a chance to meet a lot of other young people who are doing the same things that I'm doing. And some of them are far beyond uh, what I'm doing right now. They have like close to a million dollars in support and they're sponsored by like Nike and and Bank of America and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I'm like seeing them just continues to make me work as hard as possible to make sure that my program works and runs well. Um, so just having those role models of people who are, they're my role models, but they're, they're my same age, just doing better than me. I love to surround, my, surround myself by people who are doing better than me because it makes me want to do to do better. Yeah, that's that's you hit it on the head. I think that's what um when we we met we we met through the MLT program, and that's yeah. one thing the MLT program changed my life for because I've never been in a program where you see so many minorities that are killing it. I'm yeah. talking about like you said. <laughs> I mean, you're these are millionaires that are our age, and I'm like, right. what? Right. And they're changing the world. They're not just like okay, we have some people on Goldman Sachs that are making a lot a lot of money, but there's right. others that have social social um things and and, and and companies that are changing society and you're yeah. like you i wake up every morning because i gotta catch up <laughs> and, right. uh, no, I agree. I totally and our last question if you were the president this is the last question this round if you were the president of the united states what would be the first thing you did oh. wow um hmm. what's the first thing i that I would do right now. Um, and the, yeah, I mean, yeah, what's the first thing you would do right now? I think I would probably go to Ferguson, Missouri um, and try to show my support uh, for that community um, and try to talk to their local politicians um, and figure out ways that they can calm that community down um, and ways that they can work with local law enforcement to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I will also make sure that uh, the policeman uh, who did shoot Michael Brown uh, gets arrested. Um, because I think that that's one reason why the community is still at uh, unrest because that hasn't happened yet. So. Of, of course, I didn't I didn't want to use this podcast to go on a diatribe about certain issues, but um, it's, 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 it's really hitting home right now in our population. And hopefully people like Camille, people people that are actually acting on it, like everybody on social media that is voicing their pains, I appreciate it. We love it. But make sure that you're acting to, to help aid the situation, to help aid the community every single day. Just because because your your opinions and all that stuff really doesn't mean too much if you're not really pushing the community forward. Um, and I guess our last, 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 last <laughs> question is, if you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, what would it be and why? And this is a deep question. You can take your time on that. I know exactly what I would change, actually. So um, so one thing that I haven't touched on uh, this entire... Um, uh, hold on a second. Um, 
this entire podcast has been my work uh, with Health Corps. Uh, so I currently work as a health court coordinator uh, in Canarsie, Brooklyn, uh, which is one of the roughest, toughest areas of Brooklyn uh, <laughs> in the entire borough. Um, gang violence is, is substantial. Um, the parent involvement in my school is very low. Um, students in my school don't pass their state exams, uh, the New York Regents. Um, a lot of students fail uh, the grades there, and a lot of students just, just don't pass classes, and they and they don't they don't really have a lot of motivation to pass their classes. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm really, the community that I work in, uh, it's just, it's not a great place. Uh, and it's also in a food desert, which, which makes it very hard for me to do my job, which is to bring in healthy foods uh, to the school's community. And so when I go to the store and I can't uh, find a variety of fresh produce, then that makes it very hard for me to host like Team Battle Chef or to have uh, really strong food samples uh, at lunchtime. Uh, so one thing that I would try to change about that community is uh, is my students' emphasis on their education. Um, I truly believe that communities can't be changed without people becoming educated uh, and getting jobs and being able to successfully navigate in their communities. Um, and so one thing that I'm going to make sure that I do this year is to reach out to uh, local uh, policymakers in my community um, and the New York City Council to set up some school visits, uh, to show them our school's infrastructure. They can see how terrible it is and to show uh, and to show them, you know, to, to let them meet some of our students um, and to, you know, kind of go through which students at my school are passing their tests and which, which students aren't. Um, and to show them, you know, our our students' rates of going to college and actually graduating, which is very, very low. Um, and so I really, really wish that 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 the African-American culture in Brooklyn, excuse me, specifically in the community that I work in, had a stronger emphasis on education. Uh, because I believe that if they did, then that community would be able to become more uplifted and to kind of rise out of the trenches uh, that it's in right now. That's real. That's real. That's real. And before we end, um, one, it's been amazing, amazing experience picking your brain, interviewing you, talking to you. Like, I mean, I can't wait to release this to the public and allow people to kind of to hear some of the stuff and advice you gave. I mean, to be 23 and to be doing what you're doing and the trajectory you're on, um, I definitely I'm proud and I definitely appreciate all you're doing in the community. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And the whole nation does. So. For anybody that's trying to keep in touch with Healthy Girls Save the World, Camille McGirt, all your new things that you got going on, or want to contact you for questions, where can they reach you at? Where can they find you at? Yeah, so you can learn more about Healthy Girls Save the World on our website, healthygirlssavetheworld.org. We have an Instagram page, which is healthygirlssavetheworld underscore. Our Twitter is healthygirls underscore. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me at camille.mcgirt, M-C-G-I-R-T at gmail.com. Sorry, I didn't spell my first name. C-A-M-I-L-L-E dot McGirt, M-C-G-I-R-T at gmail.com. Well, um, I will have all her contact information and things she talked about during the show in the show notes. And like I said, from our audience, from, from my heart and from everybody in the world, thank you, Camille, and you have a great day. We'll see you on the flip side. Thank you. You too. And Greg, you're doing an awesome job. I really appreciate you doing this for our community. Thank you. No problem. No problem. 
And for everybody, remember, you can check more information out the show at www.greggyhill.com backslash MT podcast. Or please follow us on SoundCloud at Minority Trailblazer. Follow us on Instagram at Minority Trailblazer at Greggy Hill. Twitter at Greggy Hill. I mean, any questions you have for me, you can email me directly. MinorityTrailBlazer at gmail.com. You can tweet me, Instagram me, whatever. If you have suggestions, people you want to see on the show, questions you want to ask, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out. All right. So thank you for tuning in. Please don't remember. Please, please, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating. And yo. You have a great weekend, all right? So it wouldn't be the same if I didn't do one thing, one thing, one thing. And what is that, Greg Hill? That means I need you to change the culture. Good night, America.